We turn our Bibles to Hebrews in chapter 3. Hebrews and chapter 3. Today we're thinking together of a subject that impacts many of us, keeping going on in the Christian life from this section in Hebrews 3, 7 to verse 19, the end. So in the epilogue to the poem, The Golden Journey to Samarkand by James Elroy Flecker, We have words which have been made famous by them, being adopted by the British Special Forces, as we've already learned, to capture their ethos of persevering and not giving up. The words are spoken at the entrance to the city of Baghdad. The master of a caravan of traders addresses a group of traveling Jewish traders, but who are you in rags? And rotten shoes, you dirty, bearded, blocking up the way. And the Jews reply in these verses, We're the pilgrims, master. We shall go. Always a little further it may be. Beyond the last blue mountain barred with snow. Across that angry or that glimmering sea. In this paragraph, the writer is breaking off from his doctrinal comparisons with the great outstanding leaders and beings in Judaism to apply to his readers to follow Christ, to not turn back, to keep going. He cites from Psalm 95 in this paragraph, which we read in our time of prayer before church, That here was the people of Israel who did turn back and he wants to make this point that we are not to be like them but to persevere in God's way following God's purpose. He has cited the examples of Moses and of Jesus who were faithful to God's calling in their life. They fulfilled the mission which God gave them. They persevered, though there was much opposition to Jesus and to Moses. Both of them are described as faithful in verses 1 to 6. Faithful to the call of God in their life. And the writer in this paragraph is exhorting the church members to be faithful to what he called in verse 1, the heavenly calling, the call from heaven and the call to heaven, which has come to Christians. So our question then is that here we have this general exhortation to keep going on, but how do we do this? And in this section, there are six ways identified which will help us to keep going on in the Christian life. And who among us here does not need some direction and encouragement to keep going on in the Christian life? The first I identify is by contemplating God's works, by contemplating 
God's works. The complaint is made in verse 9 that your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Here were the people wandering round the wilderness and they saw God's works for 40 years. There were special miracles performed in that period of wilderness wandering which you're very familiar with. But there was also the the daily miracle that was before their eyes of the manna coming down from heaven, of the quails which were made daily to fly at a level that they could reach out and grasp. They had this honey-flavored bread to eat every day. They had this meat and quails to cook every day. The people of Israel saw God's works of compassion, of love, of power, of preservation for 40 years. But the implied criticism is that though they saw God's works, they did not love him. They did not worship him. They did not commit themselves to them. They did not persevere in his way. They were a murmuring and an unbelieving people. So here is one way that we persevere in the Christian life by contemplating God's works. Sally Smith, a journalist for the Times newspaper, she's been reviewing the Netflix documentary by Harry and Meghan and her scathing criticism of this Netflix is that in it, Harry gives no credit to his father. He's full of criticism of his father. He doesn't see any good works his father has done. And we too can slip into this over-familiarity with the good works of God, of his grace and goodness being shown towards us. The sunrise, the sunset, the light, the darkness, the stars, the moon, the sun, the seasons, the frost, the mountains, the seas. We can see them without being thrilled by them and filled with worship and with wonder. But to go on in the Christian life, we need to behold the works of God with understanding and a response of praise and worship and adoration. We see his works revealed in his word in the life of Jesus, in the death of Jesus, in the resurrection of Jesus, in the birth of Jesus. Contemplating the works of God is one way by which we will persevere. They saw his works for 40 years, but did not respond with worship and adoration. Secondly, by daily devotions, in verse number 7 we read, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, maybe you've been irked by the emphasis by preachers and parents and elders on your daily devotions. You maybe question whether this is necessary. Where did this idea of having time with God and his word each day arrive from? 
Well, one place it arises from is this quotation from Psalm number 95. You see that the present tense used in verse 7, the Holy Spirit says, not said, but says, today, if you hear his voice. This was something which was true of the people of Israel in Moses' time. Something true of David when he wrote the words in Psalm 95 in his time. But something true in the first century when this book was written. It's ongoing. The Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Howell Jones calls it a supra-temporal reference. It is something which is above any particular historical occasion, but but it lasts for all time. Today, if you hear his voice. The original situation was the people of Israel standing at the edge of the promised land. And the two good spies, Joshua and Caleb, were encouraging the people to fulfill this command of God and enter into the promised land and take it. But the people didn't listen to God's voice and they hardened their hearts against him and turned back. And so in that psalm, the psalmist reflects on the discipline that came to them and exhorts us, if you today hear his voice, Do not harden his heart. And so the practice within the Christian church and the Christian life has emerged of opening our Bibles in our home each day and listening to the voice of God in his word. Jude Bellingham, the 19-year-old England footballer sensation, is a Christian. And one of the things which gives us great hope that he will go on in the Christian life is not just that he's really close to his mum, but that he reads a chapter of the Bible every night. It's thrilling for me as I visit in the congregation to hear of the various practices which members have of reading the Bible and listening to God's word each day. This is a critical element in us going on in the Christian life today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Israel heard, but hardened. We are to listen and to live God's voice. So have a Bible reading plan. Have a set time. Perhaps a special place that you read God's word. Sir Terence Conran, uh, who is a, a designer, interior designer, and has influenced interior design, his goods and his state has been sold off on Wednesday. So he has one of his special chairs that's been sold off and a footstool. And he describes that chair that he loved to sit down in with a whiskey and a cigar and remember that life was worth living after all. And if he can do that, we can do that. And have a set time, a set place, a plan. 
to listen to God's voice. Thirdly, by mutual encouragement, verse 13, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Here's another element in keeping going in the Christian life. It's encouraging one another. Alongside of hearing God's voice is to be heard the voice of one another in encouraging and exhorting each other to keep going in the Christian life. You remember how this letter is described in chapter number 13. The apostle says that he is writing to them a word of encouragement. Alongside of God's voice and the voice of those in their own congregation, this writer adds his own voice, his own letter of encouragement. John Calvin says, Unless our faith be now and then raised up, it will lie prostrate. Unless it is warmed, it will be frozen. Unless it be roused, it will grow torpid. We need the encouragement from one another. And the writer recognizes this in verse 13, but exhort one another every day. I remember in my life uh, being told off on two occasions in a church car park by a minister. Of course, I was in the right, of course. Uh, possibly won't be the last time. <clears throat> but I remember far more the occasions when someone went out of their way to encourage me than the Christian life in order to keep going. We need encouragement and we need to be encouragers of one another. And I encourage you today, even after our church service, to make a beeline for someone in this building and say to them, it's just brilliant to see you here today. I know the burdens that you're carrying. It's great to see you joining the congregation here. It's great to see you being here. Perhaps it's a young person or an older person. Maybe you'll text them. Maybe you'll send them a card. You'll be able to fulfill just what it says here. Exhort one another every day. Those of you who are spouses should spend time reading together, praying together to encourage one another. Those of you who are parents should buy your children Bible books, videos, whatever it takes. Set up meetings with Christians of similar age and similar interest to encourage one another. Young people, I encourage you to be friends with those in the congregation, to know them and encourage them and look out for them. will persevere by mutual encouragement. Fourthly, by self-examination. Verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart 
leading you to fall away from the living God. Not only are we to contemplate God's works, hear his voice, encourage other believers and be encouraged, we're to examine ourselves, to look into our hearts, lest we have a a heart that's growing cold or an unbelieving heart or an evil heart in some way. We're to watch over our own hearts, our own souls. It's interesting that the writer here in verse 12 addresses them as brothers. They're professing Christians. They belong to the church of Jesus Christ and yet he anticipates that even from such there might be some who have an evil or an unbelieving heart. One cause for falling away is the deceitfulness of sin which is mentioned in these verses. Verse number 13. Sin which promises such pleasure but delivers such grief. Sin which diminishes any chastisement or punishment from God because of sin. Sin is deceitful and can deceive us and we are to engage in self-examination as we journey on in the Christian life. William Googe, the Puritan, he likened sin to the, the, the hook and the bait on the hook which fishermen use. The fish thinks that here's my lunch, but bites into what it anticipates is the lunch only to be hooked painfully and permanently on this fishing hook. Such is the deceitfulness of sin. We all take care of our bodies, don't we? We weigh ourselves, we watch our diet, we take some exercise. Here we're being exhorted to take care of our souls. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. We look at our reading material, the fiction, the non-fiction, the spiritual The secular, are we getting the right balance in our reading material? We look at our TV watching, documentaries and films. We consider the ten disciplines that we're studying on the midweek. Bible intake, prayer, worship, evangelism, journaling, serving, stewardship, fasting, silence, learning. And we examine our lives in the light of those established disciplines within the Christian church and ascertain our strengths and our weaknesses in those in order that we will keep going on in the Christian life. Fifthly, by others' failure. Here's a motivation for us by the failure of others in verse number 10. Therefore, I was angered, God says. I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. Therefore, they shall not enter my rest. Here's another element to motivate us in going on in the Christian life. It is that others have given up, turned aside Come under the discipline of God as the people in the Old Testament did for 40 years. They were debarred from the promised land and wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. What a motivation to us to go on in our Christian life. 
to follow, to serve, to believe. This lies behind Psalm 95, the writer citing this occasion of the wilderness wanderings that he will exhort the people to keep going on in his day and following the Lord. Learn from the failure of those who turn back. Specific instances are referred to in verse number 8. The rebellion occurred at the very beginning of the wilderness warnings, uh, wanderings and is found in Exodus 17. The day of testing occurs at the very end of the wilderness wanderings and is found in the book of Numbers. And it indicates that throughout this wilderness time, there was murmuring and unbelief and disobedience by the people. We learn from their failings. Last week I was sobered at looking through statistics of this congregation from 2015. And it was in particular the statistics about those who attended communion in 2015. And some of the people who took communion, who took communion today show little interest in the Christian life. And you and I, if we don't give serious attention to these elements of keeping going on in the Christian life, could end up just like them. By the failure of others, we are encouraged to keep going on. And lastly, by the righteousness of Jesus, we are encouraged to keep going on. Verse number 14 has this wonderful phrase, for we have come to share in Christ. The 40 and the wilderness in regards to Israel is reflected in the 40 and the wilderness in regards to Jesus. Jesus in his life is considered as the new Israel the perfect Jew. He goes down into Egypt and is delivered from Egypt at his birth. And then he goes into the wilderness for 40, just as Israel went into the wilderness for 40. But where they failed, Jesus succeeds. Where they tempted, Jesus trusts. Where they displease God, Jesus pleases God. And so the writer says in this context, we have come. To share in Christ, the perfect one, the victorious one, the one who works out a righteousness for us which we do not have, the Christ of power, the Christ of grace. We have come to share in Christ. We fail, we flounder, we falter, we fall, but we share in Jesus Christ. What an expression this is. We share in his righteousness that we do not have. We share in his grace that enables us to go on in the Christian life. We share in his wisdom that helps us make right decisions in a time of choosing. We share in his power which enables us to take on roles that we do not feel adequate to take on. We will share in his glory, seated 
at God's right hand. Here is the key element to going on in the Christian life. We share in Christ. And so let all of us keep going on or, or, or perhaps today begin going on in the Christian life by contemplating God's works, by daily devotions, by mutual encouragement, by self-examination, by the failure of others, and by the Lord Jesus Christ, risen and exalted. Let us utilize these elements to the full. and They will enable us and equip us to keep going on. Look around at those who are older in this congregation, those in their 80s, those in their 90s. See their enthusiasm, their love, their commitment to Christ and to the congregation. How is it that they have kept fresh and enthused all this time? It's because they have used these six elements effectively and fully in their lives.